Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, fantastic. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Um, so I was talking to my son yesterday in the car about church. And um, I don't know what came up. I always do these little teachable moments with my children where I'm like, I have a thought come to my head and I'm like, okay, kids, I'm going to teach you a really important life lesson. So I'm always kind of, I want my kids to love the church. I want my kids to love God. I want my kids to love people. And the concept I was trying to help my kids understand was that, you know, church can sometimes cause some pain. But church isn't the problem. It's people. I'm going to say it like this. Don't be offended with me for a minute, okay? People can sometimes suck. Okay? That was the point of what I was trying to say. That was the point of where I was trying to go. So I turned to my son in the car and I said, Brian Ezra, I have a teachable moment for you. And I said, oh, there we go again. (laughs) What do you think is the problem with church? And my son goes, well, Dad, you. (laughs) Son, you missed the point. It was like I didn't even get to get to the point. I was like, you know what, son? You're actually right. I I suck sometimes. So there you go. That's kind of my point. People suck. (laughs) Anyways, I thought that was really funny because he was probably accurate in everything he just said. (laughs) Whatever, son. It's not me. It's just me. Whatever. (laughs) No one specific in here. It's okay. But we're going to get today into a series I am so excited about, a good series called It's Complicated. Before I go to that, give me two, 20 seconds to say we have our team night coming up on October 29th. And the last one was very fun. Then this one, we're ramping it up again, huh? 27. Oh, 27. Unregistered 29th, re-registered 27th. And we're going to do a 90s theme, and uh, Best Dressed 90s is going to get a prize. It'll be prizes worship together. We're going to have a soup bar. My mom's making a bunch of soups, and my mom makes incredible soups, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So mark your calendars. You say, Ryan, I'm not on the team. Hey, but it's okay. It's really for everybody, but it's an evening to focus on the team, those who are on the team. We're going to cast vision. We're going to uh, worship together, minister over you. So it's from 6 to 8 o'clock on, on October 27th on a Saturday night, and uh, we encourage you to come. There's free childcare, uh, and there's free food, and there's free relationship, and it's a free message, and it's free worship, and it's fantastic, and you're going to love it. So come. I took 45 seconds. Shame on me. All right. It's complicated. I cannot wait to get into this series with you. Uh, the next five weeks, we're going to talk about the fact that co- relationships are probably some of the most complicated things on the planet. A little bit of a ring going on. I think it's just because I'll keep my mic here. I promise. Trust me. I will I will move it the whole time. I'm going to stick it right here. And uh, man, relationships are complicated. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about marriage. We're going to talk a little bit about dating. We're going to talk a little about friends. We're going to talk a little bit about family. Come on, if you're in the room today and you're single, we'll put your hand in the air and wave your hand back and forth. Come on. Joel. I'm going to go back and spend a little more time on the marriage thing today. But uh, come on, we're going to talk about all sorts of relationships. And what we're going to try to do is I really do want to hone in on some of these specifically uh, but as I, I prepared this, uh, this generally happens to me. I, I write a message and then I get into it again and I start massaging it and realize that my first message is actually five messages. And so thank the Lord. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation for you uh, in the scripture about relationship. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of what the Bible teaches uh, about relationship. And we're going to start 
uh, with a story in the very beginning of, of the Bible. Uh, and what we're going to do today is I'm probably going to use today's message. We'll get, we have four different things I'm going to share with you. We'll probably only be able to do two today. And then we'll do the third one next week and the fourth one the following week. And then we'll get into some specific things. We're going to talk about uh, how to set boundaries in relationships. We're going to talk about uh, biblical marriage and biblical dating and friendship. And today I'm hoping to kind of do a bird's eye, kind of like a flyover of some of these things to kind of tease your interest a little bit uh, to be able to be uh, uh, interested in what we're going to be talking about. But saying that, um, I don't have it with me. Uh, do you have it, honey? Come on. If we made these uh, cards, handout cards for your family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, anybody you can think of. Right out in the lobby, there's some back there, some in the back. It's complicated. It tells you about the series, uh, a little invite. And just hand them out to people. You don't have to say anything. Just walk up to them and be like, just do this. Or when you give people your debit card at the store, slide one of these with it. We want to invite people to come to uh, our Sunday gatherings. Uh, we really want to see people who don't know Jesus come. We really want to see people who are unchurched, never been to church before. And we thought this would be a good way to do that. So grab one of these. Hey, this is my challenge to you. Grab three cards. To one of them you're going to lose on the bottom of your car. I know that. So the rest of the two, hand out to two people in the next five weeks. That's not hard. Two people. Or one a week. One person, hey, I think you got a really terrible relationship and you need help. <laughs> Hand it up to somebody and they'll, they'll be awesome. They'll just be okay. And they'll think this is a really encouraging, life-giving, non-judgmental church. Uh, and invite them to come. Come on, you know, marriage, marriage can be hard. You fall madly in love. This perfect person. You get into a relationship with this person. They are everything you've ever dreamed of. They are fantastic. This is, what am I about to say? It has nothing to do with my marriage, by the way. And uh, you get into a relationship, and it's fantastic, and it's awesome. And then you move in together, and you realize, I can't stand the way this person chews. And I realize now that this guy uh, that I didn't know dated every girl uh, in our school, and now... I didn't know he had like 50 relationships prior to me and this is new information and this is causing things to be a little complicated. Or maybe I didn't realize that my wife likes to spend a lot of money. Well, that's not my wife. <laughs> Trust me. But my, my wife likes to go out to Nordstrom's and buy all these things. I didn't realize she had a spending problem. Um, and this perfect little marriage that you once idealized in your mind is this perfect fantasy world comes crashing down as the relationship that now you've committed to for the rest of your life and you know I'm going to stick with it. But boy, I sure like I sure love this person, but I don't like them one bit sometimes. You have a relationship in marriage where you look at each other sometimes and think, you know, I like you, I love you, I'm committed to you, but I just can't stand the way you chew the Cheerios. <laughs> Little nuances and idiosyncrasies in each other's relationship causes friction and communications and, and uh, having saying things like I did this morning I was, I was sweeping and I was sweeping with one hand with a dustpan in the other and I said hey guys look how good of a sweeper I am I said this is how I sweep at home and they say why so then my wife will take it and do it for me because it's not as good as she would like to do it little manipulative things we do to control the other person happens to all of our relationship and we just project all this stuff onto each other and we're really madly in love but in reality we're having a problem having a relationship it's just really complicated or maybe you're uh, you know a parent kid relationship where you know, you don't know what to do with this little 8-year-old boy, and you don't know what to do with this 12-year-old girl, and you think, man, I, I, should I ground him? Should I discipline him? Should I spank him? Should I, you know, like take every possession they have and burn him in a fire in front of them so they can learn their lesson? Or like, what should I do? And now, those used, that used to work when they were 7, now they're 17, and they think they know more, and most of the time they do know more, and it's really frustrating because they argue with me, and they're generally right, and I don't know what to do. And so it's like, gosh, they want to be here, they want to go there, and I'm trying to be friends with them, but I'm supposed to be their parent. I don't know what to do. It's really, really complicated. I don't know what to do. Or maybe you're in a dating relationship. This is the worst. 
So this guy texts me, and he invited me out on a date. Well, I think it's a date. He said, let's get lunch together. I think that's a date. But every time I'm with him, he looks at me with these googly eyes. But every time he looks at other girl with the other googly eyes, the same way. And like, is it a date? Is it not a date? Does he like me? Does he like me? I don't know. Some guys today, you know, some guys say, this is exactly what I want. But this guy doesn't say it at all. He just kind of texts, hey, want to get some coffee? Maybe just hang out. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Are we dating? Are we not dating? Are we together? Are we it's complicated. Dating is so complicated these days, especially with social media. I just walked up to Steph and said, I have no intentions of being your friend. I want to marry you. Let's get over with it. <laughs> How many girls who are single wish some guys would do that to you? Come on. <laughs> Maybe you've been friends for years, and this happened to me, and I hope you listen to this, Mike, whatever. Uh, you're best friends for, for, for 20 years, and then he meets this girl and falls in love with her and now he only hangs out with me when she's not around and now I'm the third wheel and I go out and I sound like I'm venting don't I <laughs> hang it out and uh, take, you know all of a sudden now our best friend didn't become friends at all and, and and now we're best friends again but it took 20 years and blah 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 it's just complicated it's I have a lot of problems guys I'm sorry <laughs> Or maybe every family function, Uncle Jim comes and he's drunk, and Aunt Sue comes with a little boyfriend, and Charlie Cousins, the most annoying little kid on the entire planet, and you just want to pop that massive zit on his forehead. Gosh, just pop it, man. Like, you, you just come to these family things, and you just like, these are my blood, and I know them, and I, I know I'm supposed to love them, but I just, everything about them makes me want to go and light my hair on fire. Like, I just don't like anything about this person, but their family. So why do they keep calling me with these passive-aggressive things? Like, hey, honey, make sure you drive home safe. No, I was going to drive dangerous home. Like, why would I not drive safe? Like, why do you say these things to me? All these weird interpersonal family things where your dad was a terrible father and your, your mom was overprotective and your brother didn't ever want anything to do with you and still doesn't want anything to do with you. It's just absolutely complicated. Relationships are the most challenging, most difficult thing I've ever encountered in my life. And I, I, I tried a few of these on my friends, and it didn't go so well. So, but I like, have you ever heard of Farside? I mean, Gary Larson, Farside. I love Farside. So I thought maybe I'd entertain you with some Farside for a minute. Look at this one. This is a marriage problem. It says on the bottom, after many years of marital bliss, tension enters the Kent household. She's writing the word stupid next to the S, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> or this one for parenting. Little mom putting together, uh, putting the boy to bed, and the dad's downstairs in the balloon. Now go sit, Kevin, or once again, I'll knock three times and summon the floating head of death. <laughs> and last, for dating, look at the guy's shoes. I judge a man by the shoes he wears, Jerry. <laughs> Anyways, I thought they were funny. We're going to get into a scripture, and what we're going to do is in this scripture, uh, it very clearly identifies four things about relationship. God really spoke to my heart. We're going to read in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, it says he created, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, what we see is basically an overarching, like a, basically a, a bird's eye view of the seven-day, six-day creation, the seven-day of rest. And so Genesis chapter 1 is basically like, like here's the, the big mega themes. This is kind of what happened. Genesis chapter 2, uh, we, we, we hone in. Uh, for some reason, Moses decided to hone in a little bit farther on some things that had to do with Adam. He kind of takes a step further into the, the story and says, okay, this is kind of the creation story, but I feel like this is kind of important to share as well. What I'm about to share with you is really important for your life. And in fact, I, I believe very strongly is actually, and I'll say it with pure boldness, the key to a successful life, the key to experiencing fruitfulness in 
your life. The next five weeks, we're going to unfold these things. But I really believe that this is, uh, and I believe Scripture teaches us, that if we can do these things or realize these things or engage these things on our journey, that we will actually experience the life that God intended for us. And so he created the heavens and the earth, the cosmos, and he created the animals, and he created the plant life, and he created the, the, the fish in the sea. And every time he created them, he said, all of this is very, very good. And then we come into Genesis chapter 2, and it, it, God begins to give man two very clear statements. He makes two very clear statements to man, and we're going to read it together. And it says in Genesis 2, 15 to 17, The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So God created Adam. He created Eden. If you say, what's Eden? Eden was basically heaven on earth. It was the place in which there was no fear, no shame, no doubt. There was no problem. It was where man was created to have perfect union with God, where there was no dis disturbance in that, no frustration in that. Everything was perfect. It was the perfect environment. Like me when I used to go to Chuck E. Cheese. It was like, ooh, this is perfect. Um, it was perfect until I found a rubber band on my pizza one time. That was the last time I went there. <laughs> Sitting in Eden is the perfect environment. My mind does that. I'm really sorry. The perfect environment of God, the utopia, the experience of perfect relationship with, with God. And he gave him a purpose. He said, okay, I want you to tend and keep this garden. This is your role. So now he has identity in God. He's created the image of God. He has a purpose. He, he is to tend and keep it. And he puts him in this place and says, okay, now I want you to fulfill your purpose. And look what he says in this verse. He said, he put him in, in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Verse 16. But the Lord God, what's that word? Warned him. So we come into the story, and God's about to say two things. The first thing God's about to tell man, he's about to give a warning. Now, when I use the word man or Adam, I'm referring to all of you. Don't write me a letter saying this guy only thinks it's for men. I'm just talking about people, humans in general, okay? So Adam and Eve are here, and Adam is in this place, and he says to Adam, I want to give you a warning. I'm going to give you something right now that is a warning to you. He says, you may freely eat of the tree of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And so God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of you, the one who formed you, made you, the one who gave you all your personality and, and your, your, the way you think, the way you act, the way you talk, God formed, the way you look, everything about you, he formed in, in your mother's womb, in, in the recesses of the darkness of creation, he created you. And so God, the creator, comes to you and says, okay, I've made this person, I have formed this person in my image, and now I'm going to give you some direction on how to live the life that I want you to live, how to fulfill your purpose. I want to give you a warning. I'm going to give you a decision. I'm going to place a choice at your feet. You can make a choice. Listen, I've given you everything you need in Eden. I've given you full knowledge of who I am. I've given you full understanding of heaven. I've given you full understanding of who you are. You have a full understanding of your purpose and your identity and the direction that you're going. You have everything that you need right here. But I'm going to give you the option to choose other knowledge. I'm going to give you the freedom to choose the other direction. Now that speaks to us, that God wants you to choose him. He will not force you to serve him. 
And he put this opportunity in front of Adam and said, okay, I want you to do it. I'm going to warn you. If you choose the knowledge of evil, if you choose to have the ability to know more than what you have right now, he knew everything about God. His decision would have been, God, you're not enough. I need more. God, what you've given me is not enough. I need something more. There's this temptation. There's this choice. There's this option because God is not a God of forces. He gives us an option. I warn you, if you eat of this, look at this. He says, you will surely die. And so the first thing God wants to, the message in, to Adam, to man, to humans to succeed is, you have to choose me. As we start this relationship journey, we get into some, we'll talk about some psychological things and nuances and keys and things like that. You've got to start with understanding that the, the, the relationship you have in your life does not ever function well if you're not choosing God first. If you want your relationship to be worked out and you want your marriage to be figured out and you want to figure out if that guy really likes you and you want that friendship to be ironed out and you want all of these complicated relationships with your mom or your mother-in-law. Hello, just kidding. I love my mother-in-law. All these different relationships that you have in your life. You say, man, I want to fix these things. I want to get these things right. I need 12 keys to a better life. What am I going to do? You need to start by looking at what God said to Adam first. He warned him, listen, if you're not making Jesus the primary focus of your life, you will surely die. You will experience death in your relationships. You will experience death in your friendships. You will experience death in every relationship that you have. This is a prophetic word, a word that God said. This is some of the first instructions that God gave to man. He said, I want to warn you. I'm going to give you an option. You can choose my way or you can choose your way. My way will bring life. My way will bring knowledge. My way will bring peace. My way will bring understanding. You'll know your purpose. You'll know your identity. You'll know why you're here. You'll have joy. You'll have peace. I'll satisfy your needs. Or I'm going to let you know you have a choice. You could choose something different. So God starts this journey on relationship by starting with your relationship with God. We have to stop there for a moment because it's easy in our human nature to want to fix it. I bet if I went around the room and had a personal conversation with many of you, which I do, uh, a good chunk of you have had personal conversations about your life because I care about your life and I ask you about your relationships and I bet you your prayer would be, God, I just want this to be fixed. Okay, start with your relationship with God. If we never spend time in a relationship with God, you'll never spend time in relationships on earth that are uncomplicated. You will have complicated relationships for the rest of your existence. Mark my words. I don't mean that as a doom and gloom. I mean that as a reality. God is teaching us this right here. He's warning you. He's warning us, saying, guys, I love you. I created you. I formed you. Now, no. If we don't make a personal decision to follow Jesus, our relationships will always be complicated. So that's the first thing he says. Then he gets into the second statement, which I found very interesting. That if you study this, you, you see that God gave two instructions. It just, it just boggles my mind when God shows things to us through the word because we think, wow, like it's right there. It's right there that my relationship with my wife is not going to increase if I'm not serving Christ. <laughs> because you don't want to know why? All I want to do is serve myself. When you serve Jesus, all you want to do is serve him. And when you serve him, all you want to do is serve other people. 
So when you're serving other people, your ambition in, in, in the relationship isn't to get, 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 manipulate, manipulate, try to get your way, try to figure it out. You don't think about those things because you're just thinking about how am I honoring God? How am I choosing Jesus? And how am I serving this person because I'm choosing Jesus? It's right there clear in Scripture. And so he gives this, this command to man and says, okay, guys, this is what I want you to figure out with your life. This is your direction. You'll have life if you choose me. You won't have life if you don't choose me. And then he comes to the second verse. Genesis chapter 2, and it says 15 to 23, but it's not. It's just one verse. It says, then the Lord God said. So first he warns him, and then he says, okay, son, now let me give you a second thought. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now through this verse, we're going to see four foundational things that God teaches us. Through this verse, four things that God will show us about relationship. We'll probably only cut touch on two today because of time, but we'll come back next week and continue this thought uh, next week. So make sure you come on back. The first one, we'll get right into it here today. Very simple. As you probably uh, read the verse, you'll see what the first one will be. Maybe. I don't know. Let's find out. Want to take a guess? Just kidding. Don't do that. It says this. The Lord God said to man, it is not good for man to be alone. You are not meant to be alone. It's just not good for you. They say, that's really basic, Ryan. <laughs> How many of us are in relationship with people, but we're actually alone? How many of us are in friendships with people, but we never open our heart to be more vulnerable with that person out of fear of pain or shame or hurt? God said first, okay, you need to understand something. It is not healthy for you to do life alone. He says it's not good for you to be by yourself. It is absolutely not healthy for you. He said it is not good. That word good there actually means better, glad, happy. It's not, you won't be more happy alone. You won't be more prosperous alone. You won't be more glad alone. You won't be better off alone. It is not good for you to be alone. Why would God come to this conclusion? Why would he come to the conclusion because at this point, he created, uh, he created man, and as you see in a minute, he's created animals. At this point, he hadn't even created woman yet. So how would he know that it was not okay for man to be alone? How would he know this? Well, that word alone there means to be separated from others. It means to be isolated. So God looks at man, human, and says, okay, I've created you. I've given you purpose. I've given you identity. Choose me. Don't choose the tree. Now you need to know it's not good for you to do this alone. And then he says this in verse uh, 15, or whatever verse that is. <laughs> the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he, could, uh, what he would call them. And the man chose a, a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper who was just right for him. I imagine for a moment that Adam, it probably took Adam a really long time to name all these animals. I mean, I'm sure he was superhuman, but I don't know how he was that he's superhuman. There's a lot of animals he had to name. It probably took him a long time. God probably observed him working at his job, uh, developing a relationship with these little cute little bunnies. He probably had a billion cats. He was probably hanging out thinking, man, this is pretty cool. Like, I got all these animals. Some theologians think these animals could talk, so I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But either way, he's having a relationship with his dog, with his cat, with his animal. 
He's engaging in relationship. And there is nothing in this verse that indicates that Adam is dissatisfied with his life. There's nothing in this verse that indicates that he wasn't happy. There's nothing in this verse that indicates that he couldn't have continued life alone. It's just God looked at him and thought to himself, hmm, something's not right. God realized something about his, his, his creation. That from man's vantage point, from our vantage point, we have a built-in system to think that I can do this by myself. If we're left to ourselves, if we're left to our own devices, if we're left to our own ways, if we're left to our own life, you know what will happen is? You will think that you can do this on your own. It's built into us. It's our normal reality to get our head into work and get our head into, into different things. And we forget that relationship is the very key to fulfilling the purposes of God for our life. Built into ourselves, we will create a world where we have relationship with people, but we're never engaging. We are only alone on the inside. We never let anybody in. We never engage with people. And so we are alone. And God realized he has interaction with animals. He has interaction with me. But there's something not right in this story. Something isn't right. It is not healthy for this human to go at life by themselves. But we know something. The reason that God recognizes is because there was always relationship prior to creation. Always there was relationship. We see that in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So us, our, there must have been relationship prior to creation. John 1, 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word. The word Logos is speaking of Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning. And through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. There was relationship prior to the creation of, of humans. And so before there was even an earth, in the pure darkness of the, the, the formless void, prior to creation, relationship was already in existence. And God looked at man and said, huh, we've created this individual in our image, yet he's not functioning like we created him to function. Something is wrong. It just is not healthy for him to be alone, but you want to know there is an enemy. We call him the devil. See, the devil wants to lie to you. There's two things the devil wants to lie to you. Number one, I'm okay. I don't need this today. I'm in relationship. But in reality, a lot of your relationships are in crazy disarray. Or secondly, the devil wants to lie to you and make you think that you being isolated is good. That it's healthy for you to be isolated. That it's healthy for you not to engage with people. That it's healthy for you. You know what? It's okay. Just isolate yourself. You know, when you sin like you always sin, just go be by yourself. Yeah, go to that, go to that breakfast with those guys, but don't engage because of the sin in your life. Just stand back. You know what? Don't even go to that breakfast. Stay home. Don't engage them. You know what? That guilt and shame you feel, that's right. You should feel that. You are a stinking sinner. You're ruthless. That's disgusting. I can't believe that. The devil wants to isolate you and get you by yourself. He he wants you to think that that is normal, that is okay, oh, it's just me, it's how I was wired. I want you to know today, God did not wire you to isolate yourself and to do this alone. If you think that's the reality, you are buying into the lie of the devil today. Yeah, that's right. He did not create you to do this alone. 
He did not create you to be in dysfunctional relationships. He did not create you to be in relationship, but to never engage in those relationships. Well, I have friends. Yeah, but you never go deep in spiritual matters. Yeah, but we don't really go there. Well, I, I am married. Yeah, but you're not. You're just roommates. You're not actually married. You're, not, you're actually more isolated than everybody else is. We are built in mechanism in our sinful nature to isolate ourselves from God and from his community. It's a lie from the devil. That's why we have groups to create space for you to engage, to create space for you to get into relationship. That's why, yeah, we have Alpha, and we've got a men's group and a women's group. We have these different things, a youth Alpha. We do those things to create space for you to engage, but if you don't engage in those things, you could be potentially isolating yourself. No, don't hear me. I'm not saying if you're not in a group, you're isolated. I don't mean that. I just mean there are opportunities for you to engage in further relationship. We isolate ourselves, and we create a, a world where we are around people, but we're never engaging others in a relationship. And you have to know something. Relationship is absolutely a must. You can't get away from it. You were created for it. And I'm going to say this as boldly as I can. If you think that you can do life without having intimate, good, godly relationships in your life, you are lying to yourself and you will never, listen, never fulfill the purposes of God in your, for your life if you are isolated and alone and not in relationship with others. Don't let the enemy lie to you any longer. Right. I just got to say this as someone who, as a, as a shepherd or as a pastor, one thing the devil wants to do is to get you to look at your church, your, your community, and get you to, and I'm just saying this for a moment, to look for reasons why you won't engage. Well, that group's not for me, or that person looked at me weird, or, you know, Ryan yelled at me on Sunday, or, you know, like, I'm doing that, you know. <laughs> Like, all of these things happen. You know, every time that thought comes up about his church or about God's people, you know that that, do you think that's the Lord? You think God's saying, yeah, you only have four groups this year. There's alpha. Don't go to that. God's like, Holy Spirit's like, yes, don't go to that. Stay home. Watch Netflix. Don't talk to people. Drink that fifth of whiskey. Do it. Don't be offended at me. Do you think God is into discouraging you from being a part of your church? That is the devil. Yeah, that's, right. that's your own devices trying to get you out of relationship with others. So next time you look at what the church is offering or you look what God's doing, don't talk yourself out of it. Just say, you know what? I'm going to give you an example. I love giving this example. It makes me so happy. Tears in my eyes. Yes, my daughter went to a birthday party last night. First sleepover ever. My daughter deals with tremendous fear with people. And they asked her to spend the night. She's dead, I'm not spending the night. Why? I don't know, I'm just nervous and I don't, like, you know, this person said that. She's kind of going into the whole thing. Last night she calls and I said, honey, if you choose to stay, we'll let you stay. She calls me at nine. Hey, dad, I'm really scared, but I'm going to make a personal decision to push through that fear. And I'm going to engage in relationship, dad. Nine years old. She's more mature than most of us, huh? <laughs> she, she came in today with a huge fun. Dad, I made friends. We had so much fun. We engaged. Now, was the party far away? Sure. Was it overnight? Yeah. Was she nervous? Uh-huh. Did she like the people there? Maybe. Did she like the food? Who knows? I don't know. She wasn't looking at all the different variables of why I don't like this. She's saying, oh, there's opportunity in a, in a godly community to engage and grow and i got to stop lying to myself that it's healthier for me to stay out of that and watch from the outside and just be cynical. Yeah. 
Stop it. God wants you to be in relationship. He wants you to stop isolating yourself. Stop being alone. Step into the opportunities that you put you. You chose to be here. Step into those opportunities that God is putting right in front of you today. And watch what happens. You'll begin to experience relationship. Because it is not healthy for you to do life alone. Second thought. I might have to split this one up to next week because this one's a little bit of a longer one and it's going to be very helpful for you. <laughs> the second one is, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper. So God wants to provide godly, healthy relationships for you, but you've got to let him. He wants to create. He wants to create. That word make there is actually to squeeze. Imagine the picture of clay. Squeeze. Same word God used uh, was used when he made uh, all of creation. He squeezed the, the sun into place. And it's a cool thought. He, he took his little stars and put them in its spot. And he took the earth and he formed it. And he formed the, the mountains and the, and the valleys. And he formed it like clay. And now he's saying, now what I want to do on, a, on an individual level in your life, not just on the cosmos, on the big picture, on the individual picture, I want to squeeze and make and create relationships for you so that you will fulfill what I have for your life. But the problem is many of us get in that relationship and we sabotage it. We get into these relationships in our lives and we sabotage it. We think, well, how can this, what's, we start thinking, seeing the worst and seeing things from a wrong perspective and through our pain and through our hurt. You see, Hebrews 11.3 says that by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Look at this, that what we can now see did not come from anything that can be seen. That means that God literally created the heavens and the earth from nothing. He didn't take pre-existing supplies. He caused it to happen from nothing, out of nothing. And that's actually what he wants to do in your life, where I don't have an existing relationship with this person. I didn't grow up with this person. I don't even know this person. But for some reason, this person happened to be in my path in this season of my life. They're a godly follower of Jesus. They love God. They love their family. They've got good values and good morals. And somehow, out of nowhere, they fall into my life. I'm working out one day. There's this guy that's, hey, what's up, bro? Hey, what's up, bro? How you doing? Oh, I'm just working out. Working out. Okay. I go to church. I go to this church. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Oh my gosh, I think God put this person in my life. Like, what's going on? Was that kind of weird what I was doing? <laughs> Everyone knows I'm talking about Joel. Because <laughs> he's the only one in the room that works out every morning. <laughs> he wants to make these relationships for you. It's what God, one of the benefits of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that he even is involved in who you have relationship with. Right. Just like you choose uh, he gave you an option to choose the tree or to choose him. He also says, okay, now I'm going to put friends in your life and you can choose to engage with them. Now, is this friend perfect? Do they like, like I was talking to a guy yesterday, I said, man, Andrew Ling, maybe I need to just start liking hockey so I can be your friend. I was kidding with him. <laughs> like, he doesn't like the things I like and we're not having nothing in common and we don't do this and that. It's like, okay, those are all kind of excuses. He puts you in a relationship with people for a reason. And God, godly relationships can appear as accidents or long shots, but they are sent by God. Yeah, that's right. I'll give you an example. David had just come into uh, 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 the army when Goliath 
this 10-foot man was standing in opposition to Israel. And David came in to bring his brothers cheese and milk. He brought them over to his brother. He looked over and saw that Goliath was uh, spitting insults at the church of God and the people of God. And so he got frustrated and said, hey, are you guys going to let this guy do this all day? He goes, we, we need to find a suitable fighter for him. So David says, well, that's me. I'll fight him. So he walks over and he grabs his sling and he grabs his sword and he runs at him and he slings this rock and hits Goliath in the head. You know the story from when you were a kid. Goliath falls down right between the eyes, kills him with one single shot. And it says in the scripture that David was called over by Saul, the king, and he stood in Saul's court, holding the head of Goliath in one hand. This little ruddy young boy, 17, 18 years old, looking at, looking at King Saul. And King Saul says, man, who's your daddy? Like, who, where did you come from? Here he is, standing, supposed to bring milk and cheese to his brothers. Now standing with a, a skull, a dead head in his hand, with a smile on his face. No one talks back to my God. He started talking to his king, and the king starts having this conversation with him. Then this happens. It says in 1 Samuel 18, in King Saul... Finished the conversation with David, and David met Jonathan, the king's son, who was the rightful heir to the throne. Jonathan was in line to take over that throne. Jonathan was in line to be the next king. Jonathan was in line to be the next king of Israel, but God had spoken to David that he would be the next king of Israel. That is a lot of opportunity for complicated relationships. And yet when he met Jonathan, God spoke to his heart and said, this man is going to be the king. And he laid down, he gave him his robe, and he gave him his sandals, and he gave him his ring. He gave everything to him, and immediately there was a deep connection of relationship between the two. And if it was not for Jonathan, David never would have become the king of Israel. Can you imagine if he walked in there, and he had a head in his hand, and Jonathan thought to himself, this guy's in here to take my role trying to sabotage what God's trying to do in his life by having the opportunity to get the King David in the throne that would carry the seed line of Jesus Christ. Imagine Jonathan thinking about himself and his own endeavors. I can't believe this guy's trying to take over all this manipulative thinking. Instead, he realized, whoa, God is in this relationship. I'm going to lay down my own interest to serve this person. David could have walked up and thought really insecure. Oh, man, I'm really sorry, dude. I'm not trying to take a position, bro. Like, I'm just like here. I just like cut the guy's head off. I'm like, whoa, whatever, man. Like, I'm just a nice guy. I don't know what you're thinking. He said, all insecure and all these different things. If David wouldn't have been more confident in himself to say, you know what? I'm called to do this. You're my brother. We're blood brothers now. That relationship was the very catalyst relationship that got King David into the throne who carried the seam line of Jesus Christ. All because they chose to not sabotage the relationship because all of the reasons that I, I want to share with you, the six reasons why we sabotage, but time's run out. God wants to put you in relationship with people. And I'll end on this scripture. The next verse over in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve had just chose the tree. They chose knowledge. They chose the tree. They didn't choose God. They chose the tree. And here they are standing. They're naked now. They realize they're naked before. They were butt naked and had felt no shame. Walking through the garden with no hindrances, no problems. Look what it says in the verse. That God came to them and said, well, who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked, well, have you eaten from the, the tree that I warned you about? 
Yes, Adam admitted, but it was the woman you gave me who brought me some, and I ate it. Then the Lord asked the woman, How could you do such a thing? And the serpent tricked me, she replied. Just a chapter prior, this was God's like perfect helpmate. <laughs> like just a chapter prior, God literally created Eve out of Adam's rib. And they were perfectly matched. Just a chapter later, they're sabotaging each other's relationship. <laughs> See, I believe that God wants to do something significant in every believer's life. Now, I've been blessed to have these types of relationships in my life. But some of us tend to sabotage the relationship because we don't think we deserve it, because we've got pain in our life, we set too high of expectations. And all these different reasons, which we'll talk about next week, why you sabotage the relationships. When I'm here to tell you just the big picture is this. God wants to squeeze and form and give you godly relationships in your life that will help you and help you pursue your purposes for the kingdom of God. If you have relationships in your life right now that are not helping you or encouraging you or, or giving you purpose or you find yourself sabotaging or maybe they're trying to sabotage you. We're going to talk in three weeks about how to set clear boundaries and how to figure out how to develop a relationship with people in your life when, it, when things are a little bit complicated. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I want to pray. Let me pray for you. Would you just close your eyes this morning? And if you can, just, just stay with me for a few more moments. As I started this, this thought today about God giving Adam two direction, directives, two things. I don't want to pray for the first one today. I just believe in my heart, even as I sat during worship and thought about this first point that there are people in the room today who have been Christians for a very long time who maybe realize today that I've been choosing the tree. Maybe you're here today and you're a professed Christian, but your life is not following God. Maybe in the way you talk, maybe in the way you think, maybe it's the way you spend your money, maybe it's the relationships, maybe it's just in habits of your life. But you today are saying, yes, I profess that I'm a Christian, but man, my life, I've been choosing the tree. Maybe you're here today and you say, Ryan, I'm here today and I've never accepted Jesus. I don't, I'm not in a relationship with God. I'm far from God. I don't know half the stuff you're talking about today, but it's intrigued me today to say, man, I really want to start that relationship. I want to choose God. I want to have healthy relationships. I want to fulfill a purpose for my life. Would you today, just by a show of hands, if you're here today, I'll make it very clear, and you say, Ryan, I am a, a professed Christian, but I just feel like I've been choosing the tree. I have not really been serving God. I'm professing with my mouth, but really my life, I just have not been living the way that I should be living. With every eye closed, because I'm not going to embarrass you, I just want to know who I'm praying for today. Would you place your hand in the air real quick so I can see you? Come on, just place your hand in the air and say, you know, Ryan, I just have not been living for God, and I really want to. Come on, place your hand in the air. There you go. Come on, several people. 
Man, so many. Wow. Come on, Father, I want to pray for these people right now. Lord, I pray for this first group of people, God. There's a majority of the people in the room. Lord, 15 hands in the room, across the room, God. Today, Lord, I pray that, Father, that's the first thing they would recognize is that Jesus loves every person in this room and that his forgiveness is real and that when he comes today, he wants to turn your life around. My prayer is this, the same prayer I prayed yesterday morning. God, would you restore the joy of my salvation? God, would you restore this deep desire to know you better? And yes, God, we've got complications and pain and hurt and disappointments and our expectations have not been met. And yes, God, our finances seem to be never enough and all these different things. Yes, those things are real, God. But Lord, let it start with a restoration of a joy for God and his word and his presence today. God, I pray for every heart that raised their hands today and I pray that you would cause it to be the same little percolation of joy and desire and hunger like you did in me just yesterday morning. Would you restore a hunger for your presence? Restore a hunger for your grace. Restore a hunger for Jesus. Restore a hunger for the, the, the presence of God and the house of God and the things of God. Lord, like never before. Lord, would you let them know that no matter what you've done, he forgives you. He loves you. Come on, and you're here today and you say, Ryan, I've never accepted Jesus. I don't, I don't, I don't know everything about what you're talking about, but I want to go on this journey with God and Fulfill my purpose and have great relationships today. Come on, would you just place your hand in the air today? Say, Ryan, that's me. I don't know Jesus and I want to today. Come on, that's fantastic. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to pray with this person today, church. So would you repeat after me, church? Let's pray with this fellow right here today. Come on. Lord Jesus, today, I stand before you as someone who needs you badly. I've been on the wrong path. And I realize today, I want you in my life. I want to fulfill my purpose. I want to fulfill the things you have for me. So today, forgive me of my sin. I confess that you're the Lord of my life. I confess that Jesus is God. And now my life is yours. I give my heart to you. In my life to you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.